0: you are and they don't care well i've been there too and it's not over for you i swear so Let me take a minute right now and just say hello. Today's Star Hartzell and Madison and our online campus. It is so exciting to be with you guys. Can we clap our hands and welcome everybody from all of our campuses to this awesome experience? So we're wrapping up a series it's called Love and War, and it's all about marriage. And we started off by, by talking about what do you do uh, before I do? Like, what do you do before you say I do? And then we talked about uh, what do you do after I did? Okay, now we're married. What's going to happen? And then last week we talked about after we did, after we had kids, you know, what happens. And today is really a day I've circled on my calendar for a long time. It's, it's, it's uh, after disaster. Like when life doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go. When our marriage doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go. How many of you know sometimes I don't go the way I thought I was going to go? What happens when I don't go the way I thought I was going to go? And uh, I've invited a great friend of our church, a friend of mine personally, but a friend of our church, Pastor Dino Rizzo from Church of the Highlands. He's uh, one of the pastors on staff at Highlands. He's going to share with us today, and I'm super excited about that. Uh, Pastor Dino started a church called The Healing Place in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. started with 12 people, and they just served Baton Rouge like no church ever has before. Just loved on people. That church grew to over 8,000 people and 10 campuses, and that church is still making a big difference. Along the way, he co-founded the Association of Related Churches, what we're part of, a church planning organization that has planted hundreds of churches, mentors, thousands of pastors, and uh, so we're in close fellowship with them, and uh, I'm just super honored that he could come and be here with us. So would you guys welcome Pastor Dino right now as he comes on up? Thank you, Pastor.
1: All right. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Pastor Jerry, looking sharp today. I'm telling you right now, brother, looks like he just stepped out of Banana Public Commercial. I'm telling you right now, looking good. I love your pastor like crazy. A lot of churches you get to go to, you, you love the church, and and you you, you just you you enjoy being there. I have the utmost respect for this church and for your pastors. Uh, they are the real deal. They're incredible leaders. Uh, they're models to so many pastors and churches. I know churches that we plant. Uh, we want them to come and learn from environments like this, of course, at, at other campuses. And just they believe in family. They believe in others. They are the real deal. Can we clap our hands for our pastors and thank God for Pastor Jerry and Leslie? The real deal. But We want to welcome you today, Star, and all those that are watching from one of our campuses and those watching also online. Thanks a lot for being a part of what God is doing. And really really believe, I I was so excited that your pastor invited me for this weekend. Uh, You're in a great series right now, so it's an honor uh, to come along with this conversation and hopefully really believe that God's going to help us today and going to bring some healing and some freedom and some lives. and And just be able to let us understand the compassion of God even through the crashes in our life and so i know god is going to speak to us but again i love this church you know i did i was not raised in church my dad was a was an italian catholic who did not go to church and uh, work the weekends, and we were, we were a work weekend family, and my mother was a uh, was away from God most of her life, but then uh, I, 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 got, I, I got invited to church through an outreach, so when you go out and serve, and you make a difference in this region, this community, uh, I was one of those people on the other end of a serve, and, uh, and because of that serve, uh, I, I came to church, and a couple weeks later, I gave my life to Christ, because the church went outside the doors of the church, and then when I came to church, it was, it, it might might as well have been amazed to me. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know kind of the, the lingo or the worship experience or, you know, the like the Christian handshake. Woo, woo, none of that. I just was clueless on all those kind of things. And thank God they took me along a path and they helped me through process, which is so important. And I know you do that as a church when you go out into the four-year uh, and, and you see all these opportunities to to be a part and be a part of a, what we call a growth track or small groups. And Please, I want to encourage you. If I wouldn't have done that, I don't believe I'd be here today. If I wouldn't have t- taken those steps uh, as a young believer, someone trying to figure out spiritual things and, and had a lot of baggage and a lot of things to sort out. And so that's so what I love about this church. You help people, help people, and don't make it hard for them to be a part of this um Amazing church. And then I love your generosity, your heart for the kingdom. Uh, what you do for, for the world in reaching people uh, when you give. And at the, at the close of our time, you have those three ways to give, or you give online, or you, you text to give, or all these different ways you're able to give now, where, uh, you know, thank God for that because we make a difference and we're mm-hmm. reaching people locally around the world. And then you also help us plant churches. So I get to be a part of Church of the Highlands there, having a great time uh, at Church of the Highlands. One of our pastors is here with us, uh, Kevin, and then I get to help plant churches. And about 16 years ago, a group of us, got together and said, hey, what would it look like if we, we helped some couples who had a dream in their heart to do what we do here, like a day star, other churches, what would that look like? And so we came together and started to help plant churches. That was 16 years ago. We planted right at 760, I think it's 65 churches as of this weekend, uh, and, and we're planting one today in Northern California. Can I have a good amen? How many knows Northern California needs a little bit of Jesus? And, So you're doing that because your faithfulness and your tithe and your offering a portion of that helps us do those things. So there's couples that have a dream to see what God has done at Daystar in that community, and because of your faithfulness, that takes place. So thanks a lot. Our family's doing well. We, We pastored there in Baton Rouge for a long time. And now we're in Birmingham. It's it's tough being an LSU Tiger fan, and now you live in Birmingham, and you're not really a quiet LSU Tiger fan. You're my wife is an obnoxious LSU Tiger fan. I'm just telling you right now, because so, so she she don't back down from anybody. She's a cagey girl. I brought a picture of our family. Uh, I never communicate without showing a picture of our family. The the best thing going in my life are those who bear my last name. Uh, that is a picture of grace and mercy, and so that's our dog. So we we, we had to throw the dog in there this year. Uh, Uh, His name is Saint, but he he acts like a devil. And then that's uh, that's what we call our oldest daughter. Uh, She graduated from LSU, works at Church of the Highlands. That's our son, Dylan. Uh, He's up in New York working and serving at the Hillsong Church. And it's there this morning. Just text me from from Manhattan, downtown New York, New York, serving there at the church. And then that's that's my lovely daughter, uh, Isabella. I'm Italian, so I had to name one Italian. Isabella says, so speak Italian. I, I'm, I'm fluent in Italian. I say Isabella. It's incredible. And then uh, that's uh, my love. She's 17. She's a junior. Goes to school in Birmingham at, at Briarwood. And then that's my lovely wife. We've been married 29 years. That's the best Christian I know. I don't know where I'd be without her and all that. She's just just been Jesus to me in so many ways, and uh, she's Cajun. I'm Italian, and so uh, we got a whole lot of action going on in our house right now, and uh, so we're having a blast, and we're grateful to be a part of what God is doing here. Seriously, so thankful to be a part of this series, Love and War, and I found out that it's not either one. It's both and. It's a little love, and it's a little war, and, uh, and we're going to talk about that. I want to I talk for a few minutes Uh, around the idea of, you know, life after a crash or what happens when life doesn't go the way that we think it should go. I have found out that anyone that you love greatly, we know First Corinthians thirteen is, is the love chapter where we we just love, and it's at weddings and it's at Valentine's, and we just we just pass Valentine's, and so maybe for you it was a good experience, maybe it wasn't a good experience, maybe you, you know it was a, it was a great day to look forward to, maybe it wasn't a day to look forward to. But what I have found in in living is and in being married, and now I've got a daughter who's getting ready to get engaged, and, and pastoring these thirty something years, and, and walking through different scenarios and. Marrying and, and burying and, and navigating pain and, and loss and, and, and and all kinds of amazing moments, highs and lows in people's lives. I found out that anyone that you love deeply, you will also have to forgive greatly. That love and forgiveness go hand in hand. It is not either or. It's not one or the other. We set ourselves up for a deeper pain when we think just because we're in love, there won't be disappointment or forgiveness. I'm here to tell you because you are in love, you better understand forgiveness. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So I want to talk about that for a few minutes. And let's all pray. Father, we love you. And thank you for what you're doing across this church. Thank you for it happening at every campus And, Lord, we just lean in today. Lord, thank you for our worship and things that are happening with kids, those that are taking next steps here at Daystar. We just pray that you'd help us. Lord, we've not arrived. We're still learning. And so, Lord, we we love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good amen. I want to read a scripture to you that's an odd scripture as it relates to marriage, but it's something that I've been looking at. Uh, the last uh, while, and it's one of those scriptures that's off like the beaten path. It's not, it's not, it's not on like an interstate. It's a, it, it's, you got to look for this scripture. And but some things in life, some of the finest things you find in life are off the beaten path. Some of your your best restaurants are are in a small little tucked away area, or, or, or you know how often a great antique shop. We have a, a little camp down in Macomb, Mississippi. We go down there. We'll go through all those little towns of Natchez and Butte and Meadville and Brookhaven. We'll go to little antique shops and we'll we'll find little places to eat and, and some of our favorite places are off the beaten path. This is one of those scriptures and I've been reading it and I was I was thinking about our time together in in, in this in this series. You've been talking about married marriage and parenting and uh, I just really felt my heart lock into this and 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 and, and just wrote some things down. This is kind of still in the crock pot. I'm still kind of sorting through some of these ideas, but I really believe God is going to speak to our hearts from his word Uh, this morning, Acts chapter 20, verse seven. And I want you to lean into this. There are some scriptures that you can hear and it's like, okay, that makes sense. There are some scriptures that you, you want to see with the, with the eye of your spirit or the eye of your soul. This is one of these ones that you want to see happen because it really did happen like a day like this, almost like you're seeing it played out as I read it. Acts chapter 20, verse seven says on the first day of the week." We came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended, that's an important word, intended. Intentions are very important. So often, intentions begin to set us on a path, whether it's work intentions or relation intentions. We have intentions in getting married. There's certain intentions we have when we we, we have children or or in the workplace or the future or what our life is going to be like, whether compared to someone else or or as we've, we've imagined. In our life, and so there's these intentions. So Paul intended just to to meet for just a moment because he was leaving early in the morning. He was leaving the people, but but he didn't carry out his intentions. Says so he intended to leave the next day, uh, but he kept on talking until midnight. So there were many lamps in the upstairs room where he was meeting. And then it kind of changes the subject. It says seated in a window, which is so interesting. There was a young man by the name of Eutychus. It's an odd name, Eutychus. It actually means uh, one who has received grace. One, or, or one that has received, it's an interesting term, one that has received an invite, has been leaned into, one that has received grace. And so there's this young man, Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was not asleep, but he was in the beginning stages of falling Asleep. You know that when you're starting to nod off or you're in the car or, or you, you know, you're on a plane or you're, uh, you've just eaten a Thanksgiving meal and you're sitting in that favorite chair and, and you know, when that, well, you know, when sleep comes over you and he's nodding, he, he's beginning to fall into a deep sleep. And as Paul talked on and on, come on somebody, how many ever been to that meeting you thought was going to be an hour and five hours later, you're still in the meeting or, or, or you come on, how many can say church every once in a while, we're back in the day, uh, the pastor I grew up on, he would preach a whole series on Sunday morning. You, you show up at 10 o'clock, you may get out at 2 o'clock. Uh, when we started going to church a little bit, we went to church. Brother couldn't find a runway if it was in front of him. He, he, didn't, he didn't know how to land any sermon. We just all, if you told him to preach, he'd say, I plan on it. It was all day long church. And great man, but long winded. So Paul went way long, went way over what everyone expected it to be it says when he was sound asleep so now we've gone from nodding off to a gradual falling asleep now he's sound asleep it said he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead now there's nothing wrong with falling asleep but it's never fun falling asleep in the wrong place how many's ever taken a picture someone's taken a picture of you sleeping that's very embarrassing. With cell phones, that's become like a funny thing. You take a picture of someone sleeping on a plane or, you know, falling asleep, your spouse or something like that, and they wake up. It's never flattering. It's never like a, it's never your favorite picture is you sleeping. I remember one time uh, in, in Louisiana, we, I was I was at lunch, and a few of us came back from lunch, and there was a lady that stopped in for counseling. And so me and my secretary, we we the person who was helping me, we, we met with her, and I was sitting in my office. It was hot in my office. It was like 2 o'clock. I'd had a big lunch. And and you know that feeling you're sitting in a comfortable chair and, uh, and she's, I'm counseling with her. She's telling me her problems. She's just talking and, and she's Cajun from tip dough and she's like, eh. and her voice starts sounding monotone. It almost starts running together like like a sound machine like a sleep machine sound, you know, where I, all of a sudden her voice sounded like a, a waterfall in a Brazilian rainforest. And next thing I knew, I fall asleep while I'm counseling. I go out. I'm gone. I'm sound asleep. I don't know how long I'm in the Brazilian rainforest. I don't know. All I know is I hear her calling my name, Pastor, Pastor, and I realize I am asleep. It dawns on me I'm asleep in counseling, and and I'm, I'm but my eyes are still shut, but she's calling my name. And so finally I just open. My eyes and look right at her. And she says, Pastor, you fell asleep when I was telling you my problems. I was like, No, no, I, I was I was in deep prayer, just deep prayer, just praying for Brazil. And uh, and so you know, and what's crazy is you know, she, she it didn't even bother like she just kept on talking, just kept on talking, just you know, it, you know, it, it's nothing wrong with falling asleep, but it's never good falling asleep in the wrong place or at the wrong time. Eutychus falls asleep in the wrong place in the wrong time. Can I tell you something? Happens in life. Happens in marriage. Happens in parenting. Happens with our finances. Happens with those people that we love. We don't mean to. It's not something that we intend to do. But because things do not turn out the way or, or they don't roll out the way or they don't play out the way maybe that we thought Sometimes we can fall asleep on the very people that we love. And the problem is he was sleeping in the wrong place. He was not sleeping in a safe place. He was sleeping by an edge and a ledge. And edges and ledges are fatal. The Bible says he falls out this window and he's dead. We could end the story there, but it doesn't end there. It says Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, thank God. He says, don't be alarmed, he said, he's alive, glory to God, he's alive, he's not dead, I know you think he's dead, I know you think it's over, I know you think that there's no longer life in him, but Paul sees something, hears something, knows something that no one else knows, and he says, he is still Alive, and then it changes, and it says, Then they went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. You got to love a guy who preaches a sermon. A guy falls out the window, breaks his neck, he resurrects him, and then says, Let's go back upstairs. I'm on point 15. (laughs) Keeps on preaching. Says, The people took the young man home alive. He continued to live out his life. I always think, Boy, I bet you Eutychus never looked out of a window the same. I bet if he was at someone's house and they said, hey, Eutychus, come here. Check out that chariot over there. Come look out the window. I'm good. I'm going to stay over here. I don't need to be by that window. Eutychus probably learned a lesson from the crash, from that situation. Can I tell you something? Sometimes in life and sometimes in marriage and sometimes in relationship, we, we fall out of windows. Sometimes we fall asleep. Sometimes, uh, there's things that happen that hurt. Sometimes we get pushed out of a window. Sometimes we, because of a bad decision or a bad location or a bad situation or a bad circumstance, we say something, we respond in a way. Sometimes there's a, a divide in a home, a divide in parenting, a divide in a marriage. We didn't mean for it to be that way. We didn't know it was going to turn out this way. But these things happen In life, I remember when I got my driver's license, my dad gave me an insurance card, and he says, "I know the way you drive. I've been watching you drive around the parking lot, and I've been watching the way you drive. And so, I'm giving you this insurance card. Not if you get in a wreck. It's when you get in a wreck. He knew the way I was driving and the way that uh, you know my situation was that that I would need that. And so, uh, so often in life, it's not if, it's it's when." Are, are, are we prepared for a tough season or a bad decision or someone else's bad decision that can affect us? I wrote down four factors of a crash that I see here in this story. I'll give them to you real quick. Here's the first one, distractions. Distractions can cause you to get in trouble. Distractions is something the devil uses And so often, he takes minor things and makes them major things. And we get distracted. Isn't it amazing how you can begin an argument that there's no milk in the refrigerator? Why did you forget to bring the milk home? And and 30 minutes later, it's like, I never liked your mother in the first place. 30 more minutes, I'm going home. Where did that come from? It's amazing how minors can become majors. And it escalates. It happens. Here's another thing. is disengagement. We get disengaged from the love, the covenant, the relationship, the promise, the dream. And we get disengaged. And anytime, remember this, anytime when you disengage, drift will happen. That's in parenting, that's with, with anyone that we love. And, and drift is gonna happen. And the and, and so we get disengaged. Here's a third thing, just in, in the truth is denial. I don't have a problem. Everything's okay, everything's awesome. It's no big deal. I can handle it. We're, we're, you know, it, it's not. A, not a, you know, I'm sure when Eutychus moved over by that window ledge, he could have been sitting on the floor. He could, but for somehow or another, he drifted over there and was sitting by himself. Nothing wrong with falling asleep if you got a friend by you. Sometimes you fall asleep and lean on something, but but when he fell asleep, he leaned the wrong way because there was no one there. So there's this denial that can happen in our marriage or denial that can happen in a relationship. There's no problem. Everything's great, but yet there's a, there's a deadly thing that could be happening. And then the last thing is deception. I found that true in my own life. If we're not careful when we begin down to go down the road of deception and we begin to travel on a road of deception because here's what I have learned the hard way, here's what I've seen in people's lives, here's what I've seen in my own life, that when you are deceived, you make deceptive choices. And deceptive choices lead you into, the, into a crash. It leads you down a road where, where all of a sudden now you're on the pain train and, and, and you're headed for a train wreck in your life because you're now deceived. The devil works in the dark places. The devil works in deception. It's it's what he does mostly in marriages and and, and brings division. And and, and we get deceived about others and deceived about the, the dream and deceived about the people that we made a commitment to or deceived about our own self and our own thinking. We fall out of a window and next thing you know, you end up dead. You end up away. There's no more life. There's no more life. What do you do? thought a lot about that. What do you do? What is the cure? Of a crash? What is the, the cure of, of, of things that happen in our life that we never intended for them? I never intended to make that decision. I never intended to say that. I never intended to react that way. I never intended to have a, a, an argument like that or to, to, to be the way that I am. I never intended for, for this distance or this drift to take place. What do you do? And I, I've thought about a lot of answers, but I think I've boiled it down to one thing. What do you do when a crash happens? You turn to the love of God. The love of God. Because it's in his loveness, it's in his love that we find healing and restoration and a new beginning. It's in his love that we find redemption. We, we you just can't get away when you talk about the love of God. Can't get away from John 3:16. We hear it a lot, and, and, and sometimes it's like, I didn't forget one time, Pastor Jerry, I preached on John 3.16 for five weeks. And a guy came up to me after the fifth week and said. Please tell me we're done. There's, got, there's, there's way more than John 3.16. And me being Italian and me being a young church planner, it irritated me. I went five more weeks. Come on, somebody. Because there is, there is no ocean deeper than John 3.16. It's not like it's the children's verse and then we got all these other verses. No, this is the deep ocean of God. It says, for God so loved the world That he gave. He loved, therefore he gave. And he gave something that was the most precious thing he had. He didn't have five laying around. He didn't choose it out of the back of the garage. He didn't pull something down from the attic. He gave his most precious thing because that's what love causes you to do. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Think about it, when's the last time you gave away something that you only had one of and it's the only one? But God so loved us that it caused him to give his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die. Shall not end up on the side of a road, will not end up on the bottom of a fall, will not end up in deception and death, but shall not die. But have eternal, everlasting life. Can I have a good amen for John 3:16? It's the love of God. You know, God came up with love. We didn't come up with it. God's the origin. God is love.' not something that he tries to do. It's not something that he, that he found somewhere from someone else. God is love, and we have one response, and it's to receive his son, because when we receive his son, we find healing and hope and, and restoration for all of the love wounds, and it resets all of the love buttons that we need in our life, parenting and in relationships and with those around us. It's the love of God. And then we respond that way. Uh, I think a, a companion to John three sixteen. I read this verse. It's in 1 John chapter 4. This is such a great verse for healing and restoration and how are we to respond to something that hurts us or to a season that's so devastating. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. This is how he did it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Bible says, while we were yet sinners, he loved us that he loved us, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved, so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if, but if we love one another, God now lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. It's full, it's whole in us. And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. How do I live my life? How do I forgive someone? How do I move through a painful season? How do I go through this valley? How do I go through this disappointment? How do I go through something where someone pushed me out of a window or someone drugged me out of a window and something happened that I never thought was going to happen? How do I do that? I rely on the love of God. And, 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 and watch this. We love because he first loved us. We're not the origin of it. We love because he first loved us. So the secret to being fully alive, even after a fall, even after a crash, even after a tough season, the secret to being fully alive in God's love is to live being loved by him. And that's the secret. That's the big idea of after disaster, after a crash, is, Lord, help me to live my life where I live being loved by him. I live being loved by him. I live my life in this marriage. I live my life in this situation. I live my life through this storm. I live my life through this season by the love of God. It's the love of God that gives me the truth that I need to move forward. So how do I restore that? How do I move forward in that? I went through a season in our life, being my wife and our family. We had made bad decisions and There was a drift and there was a disconnect and and there was some deception in our lives. Of, of thinking, do you love me? Do I love you? And and what about all this and this pain and this struggle? And why is it so hard now? And things are changing in our life. And we left Baton Rouge, moved to Birmingham. So much change. So many things changing. And we had to navigate that chain, change and the pain that, that I had caused and the pain that, that had just happened in life and, and the way life has had unfolded and, and things were did not roll out the way that we thought they were going to roll out in every scenario. How did we navigate that? We navigated that within the love of God we couldn't come up with it enough we couldn't be the origin of it we just had to immerse ourselves in God's love then make some good decisions I wrote down a few of them and I want to give you these because I think there are some things that can help resurrect love in your life because there's resurrection power can have a good amen Eutychus was, they thought he was dead, but Paul came down and said, I think there's still life in him. Can I tell you something? No matter how the marriage has been, no matter how the situation has been, I'm here to proclaim that there is still life in it. There's still life in it. Now, there's some things you could do to resurrect it, because I think that's important, because again, it's not if, it's when. Because anyone that we love greatly, we will have to forgive greatly. Pain and challenge is on the way. The other day, I was doing a pre-marriage counseling uh, with a couple. And they came in. I didn't really know them. They came in. They're so in love. They're young. It's just, oh, Oh, oh. oh, Oh, God. And they come in and, and I've got two chairs in my office and I step out for a minute and they they had moved the chairs closer together, which kind of irritated me because those are my chairs. You don't you don't own those chairs. I pay for those chairs. Don't touch my chairs. And they had moved a little t- so they'd be close, say so hold hands during pre marriage holding hands. We're talking, they're just like, oh, oh, which I was nauseated and uh by that. And so, you know, so I love I love you too. So I'm trying to talk to them. They're just, and it was, you know, she's petting the side of his head and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, you're getting ready to pick up his dirty drawers. That's what you're getting ready to do. Yeah, you better pet the side of his head, all right. And so, you know, and, and so we talked through some things. And I finally say to him, I say, hey, listen, let's talk about challenges. Let's talk about what's tough. You know, tell me his strengths. And, and I, I asked her, I said, tell me his weaknesses. She says this, as the Lord is my witness, she's holding his hand, looks right at him and says, he doesn't have any. He's perfect. You crazy. <laughs> okay, you crazy. Here's the, here, another level. Guess, you know, if, if, if somebody says that to my wife, I'm doing a mega disclaimer. Oh, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. Red alarms. I got issues. I mean, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. He, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of leans in like, I'm going to punch you in your face. That's what I'm getting ready to do. Punch you right in your face. He's a he's Greek. How many knows that's not life? So how do you resurrect? I wrote down five of them. I want to help you. This is application time. I call them love handles. Come on, somebody. Here's the first one. Say it. How do you resurrect love after Christ? You got to say you got to start saying it again. I love you. I love you. My wife and I went through a tough season. We went through a season where Pastor Jerry, I think a lot of people thought they're not going to make it. And, but yet God and, and, and mercy said, there's still, there's still life. And you know, what helped us. We just started saying it a whole lot. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. It's the most powerful word when you put your love into words. It's amazing the things that happen when those words are present. Can I encourage you? It's amazing the things that happen when those words are absent. I love you. It changes everything. The first thing is say it. I encourage you, say it a lot and say it often. I love you. I love you. I love you. Here's the third thing is write it. Oh, put your love into writing. I'm not a big writer. You, you, let me tell you, if, if you want resurrection love, you better start writing it. You better text it. Hey, let me tell you something. You better become a master of emojis. Blow them up. When emojis came out, I wasn't really into that. I was kind of like, I'm not doing emojis. And my wife was into it, so she'd throw me some hearts and throw me a little fire and throw me a little heart eyes and, you know, like, what's up? And so only thing I'd throw back is a bicep. Come on, somebody. Just like, what's up? Got my bicep with me. And so later on, she's like, you know, that really means a lot to me. So, man, I started throwing emojis back and just blowing her up with hearts and, you know, just blowing her up, you know, double hearts and 100. You're a 100, you know, like a check. And, and I even send emoji to my guy friends. I don't send hearts to them because I'm not that. I'm not following with that. But I'll send them like a knife or like a chain. The other day I sent some of my friends like a shark. I was like, what's up, shark? Write it. Write it. Here's the third thing that I think helps resurrection. I'll give you some application. Is give it. Do small acts of kindness. It is an amazing thing what happened. It is powerful. Why? Because remember, we're never more like God than when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's why this is a generous church. That's why it's important that we're faithful in our tithe. And we're consistent with our tithe. And, and giving is a priority. Why? Because we're never more like God than when we give. And what does it say to us when in the middle of my day, I stopped and I had to get you something. In the middle of my trip, I had to find out what you you need the other day, Delena had a little surgery, so I was coming home. And it was a busy day, and it just hit me like two days before she had mentioned a candy she wanted, and, and I remember just stopping in and getting, come on, Swedish fish, come on somebody. CVA wanted her some Swedish fish. I was swinging, got four or five just, you know, maybe five dollars, and I brought them in. It wasn't the cost. It, it really wasn't this. Uh, it was the thought that in the middle of your day, you stopped and you thought about me. Give it. There's resurrection power there. The fourth thing that is so important is forgiveness. Forgive it. Oh, we convey so much love when we forgive. There's no one that I have said I love you to more than that little Cajun girl that I met when she was 17 years old. I have said I love you. I love you a million times, but there is no one on the planet that I have said these words to more than the one that I have said I love you to. I've said the words, will you forgive me? Because anyone that you love greatly, you will forgive greatly. It goes hand in hand. God loves us, therefore he forgives us. It all goes hand in hand. To think that in marriage, to think that, that I will fall in love and I will not have to go through a season of forgiveness is to set ourselves up for a crash. Forgive it, and then the last thing is live it. I wrote this in my journal the other day. I love loving our city. I love loving the poor. I love loving the world and loving missions and all the things that you do as a church. But I wrote down, "Lord, help me to love the people right in front of me." I encourage you. If you, you if you do the love handles, watch what happens. Watch what happens in resurrection love. I remember when we started our church back in 1993. Um, there was a couple that came to our church and they were senior adults. And, and they, they were not just, they had not just become senior adults. They'd been in senior adulthood for a long time. They were like senior, senior adults. And boy, they served. They served so much. And, and he was an older man, and, but, but he would come out on work days. And we had a little flooding in the front of our little building. And, and he, he came out one day, I pulled up into the church. He's out there with a shovel, not a backhoe, a shovel. He's 75, 80 years old. He's working that shovel. He'd been there all day long cleaning out that ditch. And one day I stopped him. I said, Brother Campbell, why do you do so much? You, just, you should let someone else. He says, the Bible says, those that have been forgiven much love much. He said, I've been forgiven so much. He told me about a season in his life where alcohol controlled his life. He told me about a season in his life where he had been abusive, unfaithful. And he says, God's done so much in my life. But yet I'd observed Pastor Jerry how much he, Sister Claire, we called her, that was his wife. They loved each other. But he told me about this dark season. So Brother Campbell got cancer. And I went over there and visited him several times and one day his wife called me, Sister Claire called me and said, uh, we don't think he's going to make it, hospice is here. He's probably 80, 83 years old and she was his age. And I remember I went over there and, and that after, it was Sunday after church, I went over there and I drove my car over there and I walked in and, and I walked in. It was, it was a very private moment. It was just the family and me. I was so young. I was probably 28 years old, 29 years old. it's the baby pastor. You know, I was thinking about what, what I was going to say in this spiritual moment I needed to have. And it's the, man, the man of God is here 29 year old man of God. You know, I'm in the room now. Glory to God. I'm waiting for the moment to say something, to just expound and to maybe hold my Bible a certain way and to just hallelujah. You know, just say something. And I looked over and Miss Claire was in bed. There was, It was a little small hospital bed. Miss Claire's in bed with Fred. And they're just she's just loving on him just loving on him said just rubbing, kissing him on the cheek and and, uh i I, just it overwhelmed me and all she kept saying is i love you so much and and i heard her say i want one more day i just want one more day with you and i thought wow the pain that they had been through the loss that they had been through the The pain of alcoholism and the the struggles that he had caused on her. And I've thought about my own struggles that I've caused on my family. and All those things. But at that moment, it was the love of God. It was the love of God that was totally sustaining the family. Because all she would say is, I want one more day to love you. Thank God for his love. Amen. His love can overcome any crash, any disaster, any pain, any valley, any struggle. It's the love of God. So the way that I live is I live in His love. Amen. I said amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the mercy and grace of God. We thank you that you first loved us. So, Lord, I pray that we would be the first to love. We'd be the first to forgive. We would be the first to let go and say it, write it, give it, forgive it, live it. No matter what's happened around us, no matter the moments that have gone on in our life, no matter the days we've lived, no matter the past and the moments and situations let me live in the love of God now from this day forward let that happen maybe you're here today at one of our campuses or here as our campus pastors to join me on stage if you're here and you just say you know Adina I need a new beginning I I need to say yes to the love of God we're going to pray with you not going to have you come forward or stand but We are going to connect with you, and I just want to ask you this. If you need a new beginning a fresh start, you want to invite the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, it's your day to believe. If that's you all across this room, you say, Dino, include me in that prayer. I want to invite Jesus. I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. Would you just lift up your hand? Thank you. Put the hand down. Let me lead you in prayer before Pastor Jerry comes and helps us take those next steps and prays for us. But all across this room, let's all pray this out loud, especially if you made that decision in your heart, you're going to be connecting today and taking that next step. But let's all pray a prayer out loud. Sometimes it's good just to pray things out loud. It just helps us to say it. Pray this out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, I commit my life to you. Thank you for your forgiveness. I believe that you died, and that you rose again. So today, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for a new beginning. And thank you for a fresh start. And thank you that you love me so that I can love you and love others. In Jesus' name.